Hello, welcome to the Loney Show. I'm your host, John May Loney. In this episode, don't have regulars, because reasons, unfortunately. As our guest, he's from Pennsylvania in the United States of America, and he is an entrepreneur, CEO, and growth strategist of Grow House. Interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Drew Donaldson. Thanks so much for having me today. I really appreciate the uh, opportunity. You're welcome. So, how's life? Life's good. Can't complain. You know, it's it's uh, one of those things that you you always look at your life in the moment, and it always seems far more stressful than it really is. And then you look at your life a year ago, and you're like, oh, it's it's so much better today than it was then. So I, I always try to keep that perspective of like, you know, it's in, in the moment things can be stressful. In the moment, there's things that are, yeah, that's not great, but you know, in the, in the long term, the trend line is up. Oh, nice, nice. And have you been up too much recently? Yeah, I mean, we've been uh, uh, with Grow House has been uh, my my kind of bread and butter business for the past three years, and we're finally getting to the point where it's time to grow beyond me. Uh, I, I really was, you know, kind of the jack of all trades in the business for a long time. I was. Uh, selling, I was meeting with clients, I was writing copy, I was building websites, I was doing a little bit of everything. And over the years, I've kind of peeled that banana and stopped doing a lot of that stuff and, and started finding people. And we just hired today or yesterday, actually, our first sales rep. Uh, and so that's that was a big change because that that now unlocks a level of scale that we that really we really haven't had before. Nice, nice. So what is Grow House exactly? So the best way to describe it is that we're, we're a strategy-centric marketing firm. And so we, we help clients in a variety of ways. We have a marketing club for new entrepreneurs that really need help marketing but can't afford a fancy agency that's going to charge them, you know, 15 grand a month. Uh, we have one-on-one -on -one consulting that I do uh, personally with clients that are trying to scale their six-figure business to seven figures. And then we have agency services that work with niche clients uh, with specific problems that we're particularly good at solving. So uh, we're not really the Walmart approach to marketing where it's like you walk in the door and you just pull a bunch of marketing tactics off the shelf. We're really more of the, the kind of people that like a personal trainer for your marketing um, is the way we used to kind of describe ourselves in, in our own materials. It was like, you know, we're going to, we're going to look at what your business composition looks like, you know, just like a personal trainer would look like what your body composition looks like and pick the best, the best uh, marketing solutions for your particular situation. All right, that's pretty cool. And what and what results mainly have you have you seen from the clients that you've brought on? Oh, I mean, it's it's a pretty wide range because we're we're so strategy centric. We're we're not looking at like one result for one client. But what I always tell people when they sign up is that the only KPI I really care about is revenue you know, likes, follows, clicks, shares, downloads, opens, oh, that's all fun. That's great. But at the end of the day, all of that, you can have the best of all of those and still not have more revenue. And so when I start working with a client, that's really where the conversation starts is how much more do you need? How much more can you take? How many more clients do you, you know, uh, is it going to take to to get you to a place where you're, you feel stable in the business? Or is it the kind of thing that you don't want stability? You just want kind of an unlimited uh, ability to grow. So when we look at like the actual results, 
we have one client who is a farmer out in Tennessee, started a podcast about agriculture. It's a very niche market. It's not, there's not a ton of people that are going to be interested in agriculture. We took him from getting, I think around like 200 uh, downloads a month on his show to now last month, he did 10,000 downloads of the show. Uh, we did that for, in like three months. And the way we did it was we took his podcast, which was, you know, he, he was just kind of doing the normal thing podcasters were doing, which is you record a show, put it out, record a show, put it out. We put a marketing strategy behind it to get it in front of farmers specifically. Farmers loved the content. They started following and, and uh, you know, following the pages, listening to episodes. And now the average listener listens, the first time listener listens to three episodes in a sitting. Uh, which is fantastic. So it's it's meant that even though they're only 100 episodes in, they're punching way above their weight class uh, from from someone that would just be doing it organically. Uh, another great case study that we have is a, a teacher out in Colorado who is, a, she's a teacher for teachers. So she teaches math, uh, math teachers how to teach math better. It's a very tart tongue twister every time I go through this case study. But uh, the reality was, is, you know, same kind of thing. She was, she was making a few hundred dollars each month selling this course, but she never really had the oomph. She never really could say like, this was a full-time job um, just doing the, these courses she was building because it wasn't pulling in enough money. And uh, within 30 days of working, we rebuilt her entire funnel. We read, we, you know, heavily kind of critiqued her, her presentation and helped her improve it. And, uh, you know, her relaunch, she made, I think, $10,000 her first day. And she was like, Oh, my God, this is unbelievable. So that's what I mean. Like, it, it, it's really not like the, um, oh, yeah, we're, we're the social people, like, we're going to get you all the likes and, and followers and all of that. I'm really more concerned about well, what is the goal of the business itself? In the case of the podcaster, he wanted a sponsorship. We just he landed his first sponsorship uh, last month or two months ago, and now he just had another person send him eight hundred dollars worth of merchandise for free, just be just to wear it on the show and mention it. And so, you know, in in both cases, uh, both clients got their goal, but they were very different goals from each other. Wow, that's that's incredible. Yeah, well, that, thanks. <laughs> I'm pretty Welcome. proud of it. You know, yes. I'm, I, it's, it's, uh, I, I really enjoy what I do. And I think when you, you have passion for it, uh, the results speak for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? The Black Hills, South Dakota. Oh, okay. That's yeah. interesting. It's, uh, if you've ever been there, it's, it's the wild. It's, there's, there's not, uh, there's not a lot of people out there. There's not a lot of, um, there's just not a lot of a lot. And I like that. I like being in remote areas. I like being um, uh, out in nature. I mean, I think if anyone has never been to big sky country, it's amazing because you realize why they call it big sky country because the sky just seems like this limitless thing. Whereas over on the East Coast, you don't really get that. There's always a hill. There's always something impeding on the skyline out there it's like the horizon just goes on forever. It's, it's, it's almost like being out on the ocean, um, but with much nicer, more interesting landscape to look at. And uh, I just, I went out there a couple years ago and the people are really nice. The people of South Dakota are wonderful people. And uh, I had a, a phenomenal time traversing the state from uh, West to East, but the Black Hills in particular really stood out. And that's, that's also near where Mount Rushmore is and where Devil's Tower is just to give you kind of an idea of the landscape. Um, it's just really beautiful. It's it's like a an, an untouched wilderness out there. 
Nice. Very good. What's your favorite season? Definitely fall. Like, I like spring. Spring would probably be my number two. But fall's just not... It's so nice. It's not It's not too cold. It's not too hot. You actually want to be outside. You can throw on a jacket. It's great. I mean, the only thing that fall doesn't have going for it is the holiday, right? Like, winter has all the best holidays. Thanksgiving's fantastic. Christmas is, is my favorite holiday of all time. We go all out for Christmas. Um, but fall just has the... the temperature at least here in, in pennsylvania it's it's the best in spring we get so much rain it rains all the time in the spring so like uh my birthday is in the spring and so the ongoing joke is that i have not had a dry birthday in like 20 years <laughs> it's just every single year it rains on my birthday um and uh so i i like spring spring's nice too flowers and all of that kind of stuff you know uh but the reality is is that fall is just it's perfect. It's the perfect weather. It's, it's nice and crisp. You want to go outside, you want to do stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, that's, that's why it's my favorite season. Okay. I could, I could agree to that, especially the holidays too. They're, they're quite something. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like the, um, I really like, uh, the, the Thanksgiving Christmas kind of six week period. I've always felt that was really, uh, this is a really great, um, great time of the year for re reflecting back on how far you've gotten. And, and I love all the preparation for Christmas and all that kind of stuff. You know, we, we watch like a Christmas movie every single day from like Thanksgiving to Christmas. So it's just, it's always one of those, uh, it's a nice fun six week period of time that uh, you, you kind of get to let your, let your troubles go away. Yeah, absolutely. What is something that most people consider to be a luxury, but you don't think you could live without? Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. Well, I'm going to have to answer this in, in two ways. Personal and business. Because I think um, as business owners, we're often put in a situation where we feel like these, these certain resources for our business are things we can't afford. But what we don't realize is that we can't afford not to have them. And so for my, my first one for the business, it would definitely be my team. Um, I could not have gotten to where I, uh, where I am today without them. And I resisted hiring a team for so long because I was just like, I don't want the headache. I don't want to manage people. I don't want to have to find people to hire. I don't want to negotiate on salaries. And now that I have them, I could not live without them. And I know when people see how much I spend every month on, on payroll, they go, Oh my God, I could never imagine spending that much money, especially as a, as a smaller business like you know we're not we're not a huge business by any chance but um that's it's definitely a luxury I, I couldn't live without on the personal side that's a harder question i mean i think the obvious question is like nowadays in in the states at least uh home prices are exorbitant like most people can't afford homes in the states anymore and i've been lucky enough to buy buy my house at a time where the real estate market was still pretty far down so I'd say that's that's the the luxury is no knowing that i I have this and in a couple of years the house will be paid off and um and then I won't have that house payment anymore. I I, I would say that's probably the the luxury I couldn't live without. Ah, all right then. Very good. What is something popular now, but in five years everyone will look back on it and be embarrassed they liked it? Pickleball. Pickleball ah. is the goofiest sport I've ever seen in my life. People keep trying to make it happen. It's like that mean girls quote, stop trying to make pickleball happen. It's not gonna happen. It's just 
it's it's a meme sport <laughs> if I've ever seen one. <laughs> and like the the proof in the pudding is how few people of my age care at all about it. Like we're at the age now where you know we're we're in our thirties, getting into forties. The joints aren't working quite as well as they did in our twenties or teens. And uh, the reality is is that we should be picking it up, but the only people I see picking up pickleball are people you'd never want to spend a weekend with anyway. Wow. That's just sad. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a, not a big fan of it. I, I just, it's, have you ever watched it? It's just a very goofy looking sport. It's just, <laughs> it seems, it seems like, you know, just one of those things that uh, like, I, I go back to like my high school yearbook and in the back of the book yearbook, they had like, you know, what was popular, you know, that year. And uh, you look at some of the stuff and it's like, that was pop. Like, wow, that's so weird. Like, that's it's like a comedy act. Yeah, it really is. It's just like, um, but yeah, I, I don't think pickleball has legs. I just, I think um, at the end of the day, uh, people who are into pickleball will go back, you know, they're, they're just going to chase whatever the next trend is. And the boom, the boomers who are the big pickleball players eventually you know, they're, they're not going to be around anymore to keep it up. So I, I just don't see uh, pickleball being a thing for very much longer. Yeah, I think it's, I think it comes to a time when things just need to put to rest and it's like we will live on. And that is it. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Maybe in five years, you'll you'll uh, talk to me again and I'll be like, boy, I was wrong. We're, I just got tickets to the World Series of Pickleball. But <laughs> <laughs> I just don't, I don't really anticipate having that conversation. Neither do I. If your mind was an island, what would it look like? I think it would be pretty, uh, I think the landscape would be pretty diverse. Like, I think it's, it's kind of one of those, um, you know, almost, almost, uh, uh, obviously it's imaginary, but, uh, something that couldn't technically exist, like something that has snow capped peaks white sandy beaches you know maybe a, a small volcano that's not really threatening but it's just kind of like there uh because i think there's there's a there's a lot that i have going on um in my head on a, on a day-to-day basis from thinking about just like the the operational side of my business to the goals i want to achieve to kind of the melting pot of ideas that i collect throughout the day or throughout the you know day week year month and uh I feel like there's there's got to be that kind of uh, elemental diversity on the island because I'm constantly kind of jumping between these the, these very different perspectives on uh, on my day to day life. Oh, very good. What place would you first travel to if you have the ability to teleport? Hmm. Just space, not time, or time and space. Either way, maybe both, perhaps. Okay. Um, that is a good question. What time is it now? It's let's see, it's nine o'clock now. So if I'm teleporting right now, it would have to be somewhere in Europe. I'd probably, I'd probably go to like Florence or something. I'd probably, I'd probably, I'd probably do that because I've never been to Italy. I've been to Europe before, or you know what? Maybe Poland. I've always wanted to go to Poland, and. uh I just, I, my, my family has some Polish, uh, Polish blood in them. And I've just always thought that would be an interesting place to visit. Um, maybe Italy, but I, I think I'd probably lean more into Poland. If we could go time and place, 
I think I would go back to when I was a kid and somehow without, you know, creating a butterfly effect or anything like that, uh, tell myself that the frustration I was having as a kid would be resolved. Because I think that was that that's the biggest thing that when I was a, a preteen and teenager, I had all this angst that I didn't know what the future was going to hold. And I didn't know where I was going to find myself in the world or fit into the world. And I think n now having such a clear kind of purpose and mission and, and focus in my life, it's one of those things that if I could relieve myself and be like, yeah, it's, it's going to be fine. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen, but like, you don't have to worry about it. It's just, it's going to happen. And you, you're not going to have to like climb the Andes to find it. It's just, you're just going to, you're just going to find it one day. Uh, that's probably what I'd do. Okay. That's cool. Fabio Uso, if you could turn any activity into an Olympic sport, what what would you have a good have a good chance of winning a medal for? Uh, real time copywriting. So <laughs> I think I might be the only competitor that does this, but um, that's definitely where I would where I would win the sport. Uh, so what I do, and I I I've been a copywriter for years now, but um, I always did it kind of uh, in the dark, like most copywriters do. And when I started this business, um, I wasn't really sure what to do in the sessions I had with clients because uh, I was used to doing consulting at the enterprise level, but it in a different way, right? Like they would give you a task, you'd work on it for three months. But with a business owner, a business owner doesn't want to give you three months. They want to see results right away. And so I was trying to figure out, well, what do I do in these sessions with clients? And it became really apparent within the first couple of sessions I had with clients that their biggest struggle was like putting words on paper. And I had struggled with that too for my own business, but I found it very easy for them. So I started writing copy for ads and websites and newsletters and all this on the call in real time in front of them. And I didn't really think anything about it. And I still didn't think anything about it until I had someone jump on one of my calls and watch me do it. And afterwards, they were a, a copywriter themselves. They pulled me aside and they said, how'd you do that? I was like, what? And they're like, you just wrote an ad in like, five minutes and it sounds great like you don't even like i can't do that that would take me three hours to do and i was like well i don't know i just that's just how i do it i'm just used to working under that pressure of someone looking at me and expecting that you know in 15 minutes i'm going to be able to give them something that's usable and um they said that is absolutely nuts like i would never do that that is like walking on a tightrope above an you know pit full of alligators like that is absolutely insane and i kind of brushed it off and then i showed more people and then I did it more often in public and I peep copywriters would come up to me and say like, that is the most insane thing I've ever seen. Like I've never seen anyone write like a full draft of copy in front of a client and just like do it in an instant, like not be stuck or fumbling or like, so I think that's what it would be. Um, but like I said, I've never met anyone else that does it. So I think I'd be, I, I'd be the winner by default. Well, you'll be you'll be more than a gold medalist. You'll be a record holder of medals. Yeah, yeah. I I just show up. I wouldn't even have to compete. <laughs> just you know, show up, write you know, hi Joe on the, on the uh, piece of paper, and then be like, yep, another gold in the books. Yeah, just give me the medal. I know. <laughs> Off I go. Bye bye. Yeah, it's kind of like Michael Phelps. You know, it's like, do we really need to see him swim anymore? I don't think so. I think we're good. I think if he just shows up, everyone else should just kind of quit. Just give like, him the medal. Just give him the medals, man. <laughs> like, man's half dolphin.
Yeah, that's crazy. Would you consider yourself to be an introvert or an extrovert? Uh, introvert by choice, extrovert by calling. So my job, uh, my career, my business requires me to be an extrovert, requires me to do things like this. Uh, but the reality is, if I had my choice, if I if, if money was no option, I would be far more introverted, I would not be putting my face, my likeness out there, I wouldn't be meeting with people every day, uh, just wouldn't happen, just wouldn't happen. Because uh, as much as I like the people I, I work with, and I like my clients, and I like the work I do, and I like talking to people like you, um, that's not my my nature. Like my nature is is much more like homebody sitting on the couch with my family and just doing that. So uh, I push myself to be an extrovert. And by now it's not really a push as much as like, well, it's just part of life. You know, you have to, you know, you have to uh, get up every morning at a certain time to go to work. It's just like that. It's like, it's just something I have to do. It's just part of my job. But um, certainly if I, if I won, you know, the billionaire Powerball tomorrow and was like set up and I knew I wasn't going to have to work, um, I would definitely become somewhat of a hermit, <laughs> for sure. Mm, interesting. What's your favorite quote? That's a that's a really hard one. I mean, the one that the one that's always stuck with me. I'll, I'll give you two. Um, the Wayne Gretzky quote: "You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take." I think is always really stuck with me because, first off, he's the you know greatest of all time, but um, more important it really is the kind of thing that whenever I have a, a moment of self-doubt about, you know, ah, is this really going to work? Should I really do this? Thinking, thinking in that mindset um, really helps me get past that and helps me understand like, yeah, you know what? Um, it doesn't matter if it fails because I always get another bite at the apple. It's not going to be my last time. And so there's been times where I've looked at ads and I'm like, I don't know if this is really going to work. I still push it out there. I still put the money behind it. I still try it because the reality is, is the ad that, uh, you know, helped me scale my business last year and, and has continued to perform and has brought me, you know, hundreds, if not a, over well over a thousand discovery calls in the last year that I had the same feeling about that one. I had the same feeling like, I don't really know if this is good enough. The other one that has always stuck with me um, is from a headmaster I had in high school. He's now retired. He just retired this year. His name's Bradley Rogers. He was the headmaster at the Gauss School. Now he is uh, enjoying retirement, but he's honestly one of the most, uh, he's, he's one of the people I credit with the most in life in terms of life lessons. And he had this saying that um, if you're on time, you're early, or if you're earlier, or, or if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, you're lost. And the first time he said that, I said, what a stupid saying. That makes no sense whatsoever. And then as I came into the professional world and I had people that would show up on time and then I'd have to wait for them to open their laptop and get all set up before we could start the meeting, I started realizing this is what he was talking about. If you show up early, you have time, just like today, like when we got on the call, we had some like little technical issues at the beginning, right? If yeah. I would showed up right at nine, then we would have started five minutes late because I would have been dealing with the technical issues then. But I showed up five minutes early. We dealt with the issues and we started right around the top of the hour. So it's that it's that thing that 
when I was a kid, I didn't understand it because I didn't understand how the real world worked. And then once I got in the real world, that just, that really resonates with me. And so now I try to be early to everything where I, where I can. And whenever I'm even a couple minutes late, I feel awful uh, because I feel like, boy, I'm, I, I really am uh, lost in this world if I can't keep a, keep a tighter calendar. Oh, yes, absolutely. Is, it, is there an app you hate, but you still use it anyway? Mm, I mean, I think the, the obvious one is Facebook, Instagram. Like, Facebook is arguably the worst social platform in the world. Um, Mark Zuckerberg is just a... I, 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 don't, I don't know him personally, but if the ref- way he runs his company is any reflection on him as a person, he's not a good dude. Um, the customer support for an agency like mine, who is trying to solve problems for people, uh, is abysmal. It is absolutely garbage tiered customer support. And the thing is, is that we're not just takers. We're not just free users of the platform. We're paying to advertise. So if I'm paying for something, I expect a level of customer support so that I can keep paying. And we just had a client today that we're pulling off the Facebook platform entirely because there's a bug in their account that won't let them pay. Like their cards won't go through. We already were on the phone with one of their people. They said, oh yeah, it's a bug in the system. We'll fix it. And then we got sent back to the beginning of triage. And now we're having to argue our way back up to the top about fixing an issue that we shouldn't have to fix anyway. Right. It's, It's their problem. And so I think, I still have clients on that app. I'm still on that app. We still post content on that app. But the reality is, is that if I had my choice, uh, I would I would cease my relationship with Facebook today. Um, I think there's just far better platforms out there. Yeah. And who knows, maybe the next year or two, there may be a new platform that may be rising the ranks in terms of search engine optimization, randomizing, randomization of advertisements. And also the efficiency of advertising promotion too. There's potential for that for more competition. Oh yeah, there's. I mean, there's always a new platform, right? Just this year, there was Lemonade that came out that focused more on it. They're kind of like a uh, Instagram. I don't know how to even describe them. I mean, their their target is kind of the Pinterest target, where it's like mostly women. Uh, but there's also Clapper, which is a U.S.-based TikTok alternative. TikTok has been crushing it with ads. We've made most of our money this year from TikTok ads. Um, and we've been we've been helping clients run ads successfully in that space. So, I mean, there's there's just tons and tons of opportunity now out there. And Facebook has gotten so bad and the results from Facebook have gotten so bad that now when people ask us, the only people we put on Facebook are people that can't afford to play in some of the other ball fields. And it's like, it's sad that, yeah, you can't afford to play in this, but if you need to do something, you know, something's better than nothing. But certainly if you have the money, I would not, I would not give Facebook a dollar. I don't think they've earned, I don't think they've earned anything in the last three to five years in terms of um, they have not released anything that's really impressive. I'm sorry, but the Oculus meta worlds is not that impressive. Like, and if it was, we'd all, we'd be doing this podcast interview there, not, not on Spotify. Right. Like Uh that's just the reality of it. So I just don't, I don't think they've earned it. I think they're, they're kind of in the same situation. Apple is, is after Tim cook left, like Apple has not really innovated much at all. Like their stuff looks almost identical as it did a couple of years ago. I have a three-year-old phone that can still outshoot most of the new iPhones in terms of quality. And it's an Android. So I just think that those are, 
Facebook's in the same bucket is like they had all their innovation front loaded where they did all this cool stuff early on. Uh, you know, their first real social platform to have ads. They started that trend. They had Instagram, you know, they, they did all this stuff. And now the only real value they have is just copying off of other people. Like, you know, what they did with Snapchat, with stories, what they did with uh, Twitter, with threads, uh, what they did with reels, with TikTok. Like they're just, they're just thieves now. They're not really creating anything new yeah if there's a platform you can guarantee meta will create its own alternative to it oh yeah 100 100 like if, because i think they see the writing on the wall like meta is not long for this world like you were asking what's what's something that might not be here in five years there's a good chance meta is not going to be here in five years like the only th reason that i have more faith in them than pickleball is the fact that they're sitting on a lot of money but that could dry up like if they don't start innovating and coming to the market with something new something exciting something that people can actually like get behind i don't i don't think they're going to be you know pickleball might be gone in five years and meta might be gone in six yeah i, I think i think meta might have might last a little bit longer because again the money and also they have like the all they have at least one alternative to every major platform there is the thing is if there's more competition and Meta's, Meta's alternative starts to fade away, then you know it's over. Guaranteed. Period. Oh, yeah. Well, I think the other thing is you have to keep in mind that the, the Meta demo gets older and older and older every day, every week, every year. They're not attracting young people at all. Like, young people are going more, and this is the funny thing, more young people are joining Twitter, which is just as old as Facebook practically, but they're more attracted to Twitter than they are to Facebook because Facebook's Facebook's where your dad's at. <laughs> like it's where it's where your Good grandma place. posts pictures. You know, it's where your uncle posts conspiracy theories. Like that's what Meta is. Meta is not like not the hip cool platform anymore at all. Yeah. So so sad. Yeah. Fall from grace, but you know, that's if there's a great chart out there that shows the uh cyclical patterns of social media and you know, once they peak they never regain. There's never been a company in the social sphere that has ever regained their peak. Once they peak, it's over. And like people start looking for the next thing. And I don't know if TikTok's peaked yet. I, I'm guessing they're probably edging pretty close to it. Uh, but there's still a lot of growth on that platform. So I'm, I'm still bullish on, on TikTok. Uh, but like think about Snapchat. Snapchat was five, 10 years ago. That was, that was the hot ticket. Now, like I don't know anyone that uses Snapchat. Yeah. And that is all we have for this episode. It was great having you on, Drew, talking about grow, grow House and everything, marketing and advertising-based stuff, everything else has been great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was a very interesting interview. I, I can't say, I think you have asked at least 10 questions that I've never been asked before. So it was very fun uh, doing this. Yeah, it sure was. And until next time, stay tuned for more.